Welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga, and I'm filling in for Beth Heaton, the regular host. Rising high school seniors, those of you who are just wrapping up your junior year, it's time to start working on your essays. (laughs) In the second segment, I'll be talking with Elise Krantz, formerly of Barnard and Bennington Colleges, and a college coach veteran about what to do on college visits to help you write those very important, why am I interested in this college, supplemental essays. For our third segment, Kara Courtois, another college coach veteran who worked at the Barnard Undergraduate Admission Office, will be reviewing the common application essay prompts with me. The good news here is that students have a lot of options of what to write about. But first, we'll be talking with Michelle Richardson, college finance consultant here at College Coach, formerly of the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine's Financial Aid Office, about how and what to research about money on a college website. The good news is that many colleges post a lot of helpful information on their websites, so Michelle will help you figure out what to focus on and how to find the information. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Sally. All right, so this is something that I know a little bit about because I am always telling families to go to college websites. <laughs> um, you know, not everybody knows what a wealth of information colleges will put sometimes on their websites. So why don't you tell us more about um, kind of what you tell families? Sure. Um, there are a lot of different places on a college website to search for money matters, if you will. And, you know, to start out with, you know, what to search for on the respective college websites oftentimes comes down to where the student or potential student is at in, in their process. So, for example, a potential student might be looking for discounts, like they want to know what is available for grants or scholarships or maybe how to obtain financing to attend that specific college where a student today who has maybe already deposited and the family is wondering, oh, how are we going to pay that tuition bill or when is that bill due? Um, or maybe the, the parents are trying to get their student to find a job on campus. So those are some of the what's that uh, students might look for on a college website. Okay. All right. So you mentioned discounts, and I think everybody loves to hear about that topic. Tell us more about how and what students and families should search for regarding grants and scholarships on a college website. Sure. Um, You know, generally speaking, grant and scholarship awards are typically handled by two different offices on campus, and a lot of families aren't aware of this. Um, Need-based grants um, are often awarded through the website area of the financial aid office and award eligibility and amounts for need-based grants are determined by the student applying for financial aid. So obviously families might want to search for the financial aid office on the website or type in the word grant um, on the college website to see what federal, state, or institutional grant options might be available for that specific college. Now, scholarships can be a little bit trickier. Um, Outside or private scholarship information, which are basically scholarships that are provided not by that college, are typically found in the financial aid office section on the college website. But institutional scholarships, scholarships that are often referred to as merit scholarships, they're typically awarded through the admission office and through the admission process. So merit scholarships are typically not based on financial needs. So oftentimes information regarding merit awards are on the admission office uh, website information as they're used for 
a, a recruiting tool for students. So I often uh, tell families to go to the search engine functionality um, on the college website and type in merit scholarship, um, and that will take them typically right to where that information is located. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, so really what you're telling students to do is go to the admission office section of the website. I will say I see them on the financial aid section, though, as well. Once in a while, yes, uh, you will see that the merit scholarship information can be uh, in the financial aid office, and that's why it can be a little tricky. So uh, instead of guessing which office to maybe search for, just type in uh, merit um, scholarship, um, and then it'll take them to the respective um, tab or office where that information is relative. Um, they're families are really going to, for merit scholarship, want to obtain information on how to apply, if there's a separate application process to be considered for any merit scholarships, and they really want to be aware of any priority deadlines in order to be considered for those scholarships. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. As most students and families have made their college selection by this point in time, they might be trying to figure out how they'll be billed for tuition and fees and what payment methods are available. Where should they look for this information on a college website? Um, invoices and for the directly billed costs, like tuition and fees and maybe on-campus room and board, those are typically generated by the business office on campus. So they can search for that. Sometimes that office is referred to as the Bursar's office or financial services. Um, So they could type in uh, tuition invoice or business office, and that will typically direct them to the tuition invoicing process, um, tell them what payment options are available, um, when the payments are due, and even provide information on if that respective uh, college provides tuition payment plans. Mm-hmm. Good. So tuition payment plans, um, colleges allow students and families to make payments? Um, yes, a lot of colleges do. And this is something that families typically aren't um, aware of. And it can be a great payment option for families. Um, basically, it's an installment payment program where families can spread out the semester charges over a few months as opposed to paying for those directly billed charges up front um, at the start of, of their semester. Um, there's often a small administrative fee uh, to set up the tuition payment plan, but they typically don't charge interest. So they can be a great option as part of the paying for college strategy for students and families. So what if a family can't make payments and needs to look for information on financing to pay for college? What's the best way or where's the best place to locate student and parent financing options? Um, Typically, the financial aid office Uh, information on the college website is the best place that talks about financing options. They will typically provide the federal loan options for both students and parents. Oftentimes, they will also talk about any private loan uh, search sites um, or private loan options. A a small number of colleges might offer their own institutional loan program. Um, So, and in order to kind of know what the family is going to need for financing, the Financial Aid Office website will often have not only the financing options available, but also provide the actual cost or cost of attendance. So I would look for the financial aid office as the uh, best resource on a college website for financing options. Okay, great. All right. Earlier in this segment, you mentioned students might be searching for an on-campus job. Where would they find this particular information on a college website? 
Um, oftentimes, colleges offer campus positions through a couple different avenues. Um, if a student goes through the financial aid application process, they might be notified by the financial aid office that they're eligible for federal work study. Um, federal work study is partially funded by the federal government, so it is based on financial need. So uh, you could go to the financial aid office uh, website information for federal work study position information. Um, but oftentimes colleges will have campus jobs for uh, students that are not based on financial need. Oftentimes campuses will have um, a student employment section on their website um, that will house the available positions so they could look for a job by searching for student employment. Okay. All right. Great. Well, I think that's a great, great place to wrap it up. So thanks so much, Michelle. Hey, you're welcome, Sally. All right. Now we'll be taking a short break, but when we return, I'll be talking with Elise Krantz about visiting colleges over the summer and highlighting things to think about for a supplemental essay about that college. So please stick around. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. There are many innocent people who were found guilty of crimes that they did not commit. Join criminal defense investigator Jeff Stein for Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? Each show, we'll discuss the problem, and it is a problem. The fact that because of incompetent investigations and a poor judicial system, anybody can become a victim. Can we fix this? Tune in to find out. You can listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. As I mentioned before our break, we'll now be talking to Elise Krantz about supplemental colleges, about why you're interested in that particular college, and how to prepare on your visits. Oh, and I just realized I said supplemental colleges, and what I meant was supplemental essays. So thank you so much, listeners, for your patience. We'll be talking about supplemental essays. All right. Welcome, Elise. Hi, Sally. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Okay. 
All right. So um, obviously a lot of people are going to be visiting colleges over the summer, and we definitely recommend that they do that. But this topic is a little different, so I want to kind of introduce it. Um, many colleges on the common application also have supplemental questions. So in addition to the main common application that you'll be uh, the main common application essay that you'll be writing, you also might have to answer a question regarding something like, why are you interested in our college? You know, t- tell us about what interests you about this college. Um, so at least what are some of the colleges that have these kinds of essays and, and what are, you know, how do they, how might they vary a little bit? It seems like this is probably one of the most common questions that you'll find on the common application, and most schools go about asking it in a pretty direct way, like they'll just, they'll come out and say, why are you interested in our school? Um, Other times they ask it in a little more of a roundabout way, and you have to sort of read between the lines to realize that they are asking you to reflect on why you're a good fit for the institution. Um, But lots of schools have it. Some of the schools that I was just looking at um, to prepare for our chat today, um, some examples, NYU would like to know what specifically you're interested in at at NYU, Um, Mount Holyoke, Ask straightforward, why, why do you want to come to Mount Holyoke? Um, but there's other questions sometimes where schools will pose the question and it, it still can give you a chance to talk about the school and why it's a good fit. For example, Carnegie Mellon um, asked, this was last year at least, we don't know if they're going to change their question for this year, but they said, you know, please tell us something that's important to you that you haven't had a chance to share yet on the application, and so that could potentially be a place to talk about the fit between you and the institution. Mm-hmm. Hasn't, like, in the past, CMU, Carnegie Mellon, I think, also wanted you to write about your academic program, right? So this would right, be kind of right. like a supplement to that, Yeah. Right, so a lot of schools uh, have multiple questions that they'll be asking you, and so the why us might be one of them. Um, it's also very common for schools to ask about why did you pick your particular major, and then there's always those really fun random off-the-wall you know, what kind of tree would you be if you could be a tree type question, um, or they'll give you a quote and ask you to think about it. But when you're visiting a college campus, there's so many great ways to use the information that you're seeing and that you're hearing when it comes time to write these essay questions. Mm-hmm. All right. So what we're requiring students to do, or not requiring, what we're suggesting students do then is really plan ahead on these summer visits, right? Like they need to visit, they need to kind of do this visit, not just from the lens of, do I like the college? But if I like the college, what am I, how am I going to express that? Like, what do I like about the college so that I can express it back to that college? So, so what should they do on such a visit? Like what kind of advice are you giving your students as you send them off on summer college visits? I know a lot of students tend to visit colleges back-to-back, right? They'll have this whirlwind tour, let's say, of California schools or of the Boston area schools, or there's like a slew, there's a ton in Pennsylvania, and they try to hit them all. Um, and colleges can very easily start to blend one into the other because information sessions and tours at so many colleges, they're very similar. Um, and so I would usually recommend for students to take notes in some form if they don't want to whip out that old-fashioned notebook and a pencil, they can get out their, their phone and, you know, make text themselves or make a voice recording um, to, to make note of what they're hearing the admissions officer say during the information session if something, a statistic, let's say, catches their attention. Or if they're on the tour and their particular tour guide mentions a unique experience that they had with research or with a study abroad program, to make a note of that because that is all really helpful material that could then go into a supplemental essay later on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important because I can't tell you how often I talk to students and ask them what colleges they like. And then I ask them why. And they're like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a good school. <laughs> you know, 
know, like, and I'm like, you know, right, there's a right. lot of good schools. <laughs> so, so we need to be able to differentiate them somewhat. <laughs> so, um, well, do you have any specific advice of, of like things to go see to help students kind of ferret out, like one of the, um, to ferret out this unique information? Because one of the complaints that I hear from students, and I think this is a valid one at some college campuses, is that they go to the information session, they go to the tour, and it, like you said, it blends together, and a lot of colleges sound somewhat similar. So what do they do to make sure they get, because every college nonetheless has some things about it that are unique, right? So, so how do they ferret out that information? I think the best thing to do, and not all students are as comfortable doing this as others, but the tour guide is an amazing source of information if you can get them off to script. And I say that as a former tour guide myself. I had to memorize a pretty uh, standard script when I was giving tours. And when somebody asked me a question that, that wasn't in my normal repertoire, and sometimes it would catch you off guard and, and you would let down your guard a little bit and be a little more honest and, and less of that um, beautiful sugar coating that you tend to put on everything when you're a tour guide. I also would recommend that students try to talk to just regular students, which can be a little trickier when it's in the summertime uh, because there may not be as many college students milling about. But if you do have the opportunity um, to just tap, you know, to, to walk up to somebody and say, hey, are you a current student here? I'm a perspective. I have a few questions. They can be a fantastic resource just to get more of the uh, insider information of the school to learn about what they feel like makes the school unique, what makes it a special place. Um, and I think it's fantastic. Summer can be actually a really great time to talk to a professor, if possible, in the department that you're interested in. Not all professors are on campus full-time during the summer, um, but if you make arrangements ahead of time, reach out to the department, find out if somebody will be there during the time of your visit, that can be a fantastic opportunity to speak to somebody in the department, ask questions about your, the program that you're interested in, and all of that can be really fantastic material to help you answer the why are you interested in us question or why did you pick the major that you're interested in for the, for the college essay. It's true. Like typically during the summer, faculty are going to be a little bit less pressed for time. They might be doing yep. research, but it might be the kind of thing where they're very happy to take a break from reading about prehistoric whatever or, you know, economic theories of X or Y, Z. They might be really eager to talk about what's going on. I was thinking it could also be a good time to visit like the career advising office. You know, you want to find right. out about things like internships. They probably aren't quite as busy, but they're probably still there during the summer. Right, right. There's there's different ways, I think, to gather this information. And, you know, I, I don't think we're necessarily saying you have to visit a campus to write a good supplemental essay, but having read uh, applications now for the past several years at some colleges here in Connecticut where I'm currently based, I have found that so many of the, the prompts, the way the students are responding to these Why Us prompts, they're just going to the websites and they're, they're all repeating the same information. It's like they're all talking about the same generalities about that college, whereas with, from the tour, from the information session, um, there can be some really unique tidbits. And I'd love to share one with you if I could. Um, yeah. I visited... Mount Holyoke College recently, I mentioned that earlier, it's a women's college in Massachusetts, and during the tour, uh, we went into the science building, which was amazing, and there were all of these very special features and touches that made it unlike any other science building I had seen, and one of the ones that stood out the most to me was when the tour guide mentioned how the lab benches in the laboratories were, were designed to be at a height that was most comfortable for female scientists. So they were meant to be, to, to be at the height for women, not for male scientists who, you know, for men tend to be a little bit taller than women. And the fact that this as a women's college was that thoughtful to make their laboratory space more conducive and more comfortable for their female students was such a perfect example um, of how that college is, is thinking about their students and encouraging that sense of female empowerment. And I was thinking if I had been a student, that would be such a great tidbit to have put into my application essay um, if, that was, if I were a science major, especially, um, that could have fit in so beautifully. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, tidbits about things that really matter quite a bit to you. Um, now, what it, it's kind of interesting, though, too, because I also, while you don't want students to repeat what everybody else is repeating, like when I worked at University of Chicago um, and Reed College, they're both very intellectual colleges, or you can call them nerdy if you prefer. Um, but yeah. I wanted to make sure that students, while they all should respond to it a little differently, I wanted them to get that. Right. And so so while you wanted some differences, you did also want a student to kind of say, you guys have a core and you're hardcore nerds. And I love that. I mean, say it a little more elegantly than just saying hardcore nerds, although, frankly, I didn't even mind the word nerd in an essay if it was phrased kind of, you know, humorously. So what do you think about that? Like, what's the balance? Or maybe it's just that schools like Chicago and Reed are so different so kind of unusual that in most cases you don't need to worry about kind of like letting a college know that you get them and you can sort of focus more on just what you in particular like about that college. I think a lot of it comes down to what is the, you know, as a student, when you're, when you're reviewing the website, when you're looking through the guidebooks, when you're on the campus for a tour, let's say, and you're hearing that in the uh, admissions officer give the admissions, uh, the information session, oftentimes you will pick up on clues as to what the college or the university feels are their best strengths. So you'll often hear the same themes repeated at a particular school. Um, so for, um, for example, if you're visiting NYU, which is right smack in the middle of Manhattan, you know, they talk about their relationship with the city and how they don't have gates and how they want students to interact with the city around them. You know, if I were to hear that as a prospective student, I would pick up on that and be like, this is a big deal for them. And, and so I think when you hear those types of themes echoed again at the same institution, that sometimes can be a great clue for you as an applicant to say, you know what, maybe this is something that they feel is important enough about themselves that I should recognize it in my essay. Another example of that would be a place like Brown, which is very well known for its flexible, open curriculum. And they have a very pointed question on their supplemental essay about, you know, what is it about? How would you take advantage of this flexibility? Why Brown? And they want students to acknowledge this is a major experience that you will have as a part of your education here. And so by picking up on those clues that you'll get, I think, from the tour, um, doing the research, sometimes you can figure out when something is special enough that you should highlight it in your essay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think your point about when something's repeated multiple times, I mean, believe me, anybody who came to Reed or Chicago's campus was hit over the head with the core, the core curriculum, because mm-hmm. we really didn't want you there if you didn't want the core. You know, so um, so I think that's a great point. Um, any pitfalls? I mean, we have a few minutes, like just a couple minutes left. And I'm just sure. kind of curious, like what, since you're still reading a lot of these essays, like what are some common mistakes that students make? Sometimes um, when students are on a tour and they get overwhelmed by the beauty of the architecture, sometimes they talk about that in their essays. And that is not a great use of space. Um, in the essay to write about how you love the buildings. Uh, one, of my, one of our colleagues who used to work at Tufts uh, commented to me that sometimes students in their essays for Tufts would write about the beautiful view of Boston that they can get from the campus of Tufts, and they would just wax eloquently about that. And like, is that really why you want to go to Tufts, because you can see the city of Boston? You know, is it because, you know, they have beautiful brick buildings? So you have to dig a little bit deeper. I think that's, that is probably one of the biggest pitfalls is that students are not making that personal connection between themselves and what that university can offer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've had students say to me, I can't go, I, I can't go to a school that doesn't have a Chipotle and some clothing stores <laughs> nearby. And I was <laughs> like, you don't get to say that. I mean, I... <laughs> Like, I mean, really, do you think that's what colleges want to hear? The fact that you want a suburban setting? <laughs> like, it's not, you know. Or, or they'll mention be- reputation, 
right? They'll say you're a very well regard. You have a well regarded business school. I'm like, they oh, know yeah. they have a well regarded business school. What else? What is it specific to their program that attracts you besides reputation? That's that's another common mistake students make in essays. Oh yeah, that's a huge one. Like we got that about um, Chicago's economics department all the time. Like. Chicago is one of the best economics departments in the country, yeah, in the world. We know that. So what is it about the economics? Tell it, Show us that you've done some research. Maybe you talked to people when you were visiting campus and you found out more about it and why it was going to be a match for you. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elise. I really appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks. All right, everyone, we're going to take a short break, but when we, be, when we get back, I'll be welcoming Cara Courtois about the Common Application main essay prompts. But first, I wanted to put in a good word for Getting In's first ever sponsor, Molecule. Molecule is a reinvention of the air purifier, the first new technology in air purifier since the 1940s. That's because Molecule introduces a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. One user commented that she could now breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. There's more good news. Getting in listeners have a special offer. For $75 off your first order, visit Molecule.com, and that's spelled just like the word molecule, but with a K instead of a C. So that's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. And then when you're at the checkout, enter college coach, just one word, college coach, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-C-O-A-C-H. And honestly, as a lifelong allergy sufferer myself, I'm really thinking about getting one. So, all right. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back after this break. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, And now we're welcoming Kara Courtois. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Sally. All right. So right now what we're going to be doing is going over the common application essay prompts. Now, there's a lot of them, so I obviously don't want to just kind of read them all out. But I thought that maybe... Like we could sort of dive in and you could you could start to talk to me about the prompts that your students use most often and how you help them use them in the essay process. And I mentioned that because the prompts are so flexible that I actually generally tell students to use them more as an inspiration than as a limiting factor, like to kind of understand what the colleges are going for but not when they're writing the essay worry about whether it fits a particular prompt because they are so flexible. So what's your process? Like, how do you dig into them? I, I think that's a great point is that when I often encourage students to get started, that if it's the first time they've ever seen the common application, I think it's important to look at, you know, to get an understanding of how long the essay is and kind of the basics of where it is in an application and, kind of general requirements, and then to read through the prompts, but then to step away from them and really just think about what's your story. So, you know, really not drilling down on the question, almost to the point where I'd encourage a student really to <laughs> to brainstorm almost separately from the, the application prompts themselves and not really even give it thought to them again for, you know, until they really feel pretty good about a draft. And then really just double checking, you know, which question would I check off in this um, as, as a prompt of my choice when I actually submit this. So mm-hmm. I do really quite similarly. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably why I actually looked it up on the common application and uh, the most commonly used prompt was share an essay on any topic of your choice. <laughs> Um, It can be one you've already written, one that responds to a different prompt or one of your own designs. So I think um, I think a lot of students are using your process. Absolutely. Yep. Completely true. I do like looking at the prompts, though, because I think um, like one of the pitfalls that I run into when I'm working with students and reviewing essays is. And this actually, I think, comes more sometimes from parents where parents think an essay should be a cover letter. Um, You know, like, you know, I'm happy to say that in the third quarter, my grades have improved, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, they want it to sound like a 50-year-old wrote it, like a 50-year-old business executive. Um, And so I'll send them to the prompts to get a sense of more like, no, read these, these prompts and then you'll see that that's not what the colleges are looking for. Like the second most popular prompt was um, discuss an accomplishment, event, or realization that sparked a period of personal growth and a new understanding of yourself or others. Um, So that always seems, that's actually quite a good one. And I also highlight that it says discuss an accomplishment, i.e. one. Don't go over everything. (laughs) So how do you like, how do you handle that when maybe people aren't getting uh, like where, where are these topics actually helpful sometimes? I think that's exactly my experience as well as that to help because I would say first drafts for most students are oftentimes more of a panoramic of their life or an entire story from A to Z. And I often describe the common app as being, you know, rather than tell the whole story like you might to your best friend or, you know, to a family member about whatever happened, rather than A to Z, start the alphabet, <coughs> excuse me, around letter H and and around letter R, you know, meaning that you don't need every bit of it and to have your reader understand what you're talking about. And then it also enables them to really drill down on the details of one specific characteristic or moment that really brings through what we often say is, you know, show your reader who you are 
rather than tell them. And sometimes you fall into telling when you try to share the whole story overall. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. turning back to the prompts, like you said, can often say, you know, an accomplishment as opposed to, you know, the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a classic um, an essay that one of my students wrote that worked really well with that was um, he wrote about, the, about dissecting a cat in, which I apologize to cat lovers, they're probably upset about hearing this, but it, he dissected a cat in his biology class in 10th grade, and he wrote about how fascinating it was to him. And it was actually one of the first moments where he really, he'd always loved learning, but it was the first time that he really loved learning in the classroom and got a sense of sort of the value of these classroom experiences as opposed to just kind of reading stuff on his own. And um, and it was like a complete turnaround academically. He went from being kind of a BC student in ninth grade to 10th grade really taking off and then, you know, was a top student by his senior year. Um, and so, you know, that was sort of perfect for that topic. And it was funny to me because he wanted to write about a trip to Thailand. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. The cat dissection is so much better for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Completely. do you have any moments like that with your students? Um, 100% of the time. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I would say, um, and one way that I have found over the years to help, you know, students get to that kind of more interesting story that really feels like it's off in line beneath the surface, meaning that, it really very rarely does a strong common up topic or an interesting one come from when you're staring at a student's activity list and they decide to write about one of those activities that the readers already know a lot of what went on on the soccer team, <laughs> you know, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there's not something embedded in there, but it's hard to make your voice unique and your own, you know, really stand out as your own when it's a, you know, an activity per se that many students have done. So, you know, not a zillion have been to Thailand on a trip, but sometimes the core characteristics are pretty similar to many other trips students have taken. So instead of going directly, you know, at the Common App prompts, as we were saying, going through kind of a more backdoor method is what I've really turned to and really enjoy the results of what students see and how they can show a curiosity or a love of learning um, by doing, and, you know, other radio show hosts might have, you know, our guests might have said something similar, but um, recently I love asking students, hey, text, you know, three to five friends, family, coaches, teachers, people you trust, aunts, uncles, whomever, that you feel know you well and ask them to share what are five adjectives they would use to describe you. And then look at those and see where the overlap is. You know, if each of those five people's re- people responds to you, typically you'll start to see some overlap or trend in one or two of those adjectives. And then take that, you know, and run with it. So if it's kindness, that stands out as, you know, he is kind as the adjective, then what's a story you can share that will show that as evidence? And it's, you know, oftentimes brings up something that's far, you know, more interesting and, and wouldn't really come to the surface perhaps otherwise. Okay, Kara, so those are really interesting points. Um, I do want to talk about the essay question that is um, the essay question that's sort of the third most common because I think that a lot of students use it and some students use it really, really well and then some students, it just doesn't end up working for them. It's not that it hurts them necessarily, but it definitely doesn't help them. And that's the lessons we take from obstacles we encounter can be fundamental to later success. Recount a time when you faced a challenge, setback, or failure. How did it affect you, and what did you learn from the experience? Um, do you ever have students who want to write about that, and sort of what's your what's been your experience with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely have students who want to write about it, and um, you know, I would say the first go around sometimes is that it's too basic, you know, and it's uh, probably depressing (laughs) oftentimes, you know, and 
not to undermine that in any way or undermine their experience. But um, oftentimes, you know, when I say, you know, this is your only piece of writing that is being read by the admissions office, um, that even if you're writing about a, a dark time in life or a real challenge, um, you you want it to represent, you know, sort of all of who you are and most importantly, help your reader land on who you are today, meaning if it was a failure or a major, you know, setback, whether it was within your control or not, who are you today and are you going to walk in, you know, a healthy, prepared student ready to take on the challenges of their campus? So you want to be cautious of presenting a voice that's maybe too fragile, you know, uh, too raw still. So Mm -hmm. I certainly have encouraged students not to give up on the topic per se, but to be, you know, well aware that, you know, that, that the admissions counselors are on high alert, you know, and that in many schools, especially the more selective, you don't want to express a vulnerability, meaning, you know, not that it's, it can't be a topic that shows a really tough part of life, but you really want to help your reader land that you're ready, you know, that you've moved past this and this is how, or demonstrating more likely, you know, who you are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a student, I've, um, a really big issue is exactly what you're talking about, where I've seen students, they write an essay about a challenge that they're really still suffering from enormously. And they, so as a result, the entire essay is, is about the challenge and not about how they've overcome it. And that's such a crucial part of, you know, it's such a crucial part of like the essay question. It says not just how did it affect you, but what did you learn from the experience? And so if you're still in the middle of it, you don't really have that perspective. But I did have a student write a really excellent one on that topic. I mean, he wrote about, he was a big golf player, loved golf, um, played it in ninth grade and then didn't make the team, the junior varsity team in 10th grade. And he was so upset at his failure to do this that he like stopped playing golf which is something he'd played like with his father for fun like and his little brother for you know I mean forever it was just something he'd done for fun before he started doing it competitively and like he wouldn't play it he wouldn't watch it and then finally he kind of started to come around again and of course his dad was like come on play golf with me like we'll have fun again and he wrote about how it made him realize that the reason he hadn't done well um, was because he had stopped enjoying golf and it became about winning. And it's such a simple yeah, story that exactly. we've all heard in a way, but he really lived it. So he just started playing again, started enjoying it. And then his essay was so beautifully done because he really only spent like the first sort of paragraph about the failure, so to speak. And the yeah. rest of the essay was about what he learned from it. And then what he did, which included not only making the team then in 11th grade, but becoming captain in 12th and using his experience to help ninth graders and 10th graders when he saw them getting into their own head too much and not enjoying themselves. Um, I just, it was such a beautifully done story. Yeah. And sounds like it really showed his maturity without saying, you know, I matured. He really showed it. <laughs> exactly. Know, exactly. Example. I think that's a great point and that I, I wanted to throw in there too, that there's so many times that it's people actually even outside of what we do for a living who will say, oh, you know, this topic, well, they, they can't write about that. You can't write about a service trip overseas. You can't write about, you know, your sports team. And, and you know, even I was saying preferably not to write about directly one of the activities that's already listed on your application. But I don't think any topic is really off limits because ultimately, you know, sometimes if there's a star- story really gnawing at a student or it really was such a pivotal experience in their high school, then they at least need to give it a shot to give it a draft to see if it is uniquely their voice, because that experience of the golfer you were just sharing sounds so unique to him. And then to be able to play it forward to becoming kind of a mentor is such a wonderful way to tie things, you know, together Um, Mm -hmm. and even the connection with his dad. So, you know, I just wanted to throw in there for anybody who's listening that you know, thinks there are certain topics that are off limits. 
I always say, honestly, I think there's a you know a permutation that's pretty limited of what a 16, 17-year-old should have experienced by now, and they fall into you know kind of 10 different categories. So it's not coming up with the most unique topic per se, but it's you know drilling down on on your voice specifically and making your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, question number one is some students have a background, identity, interest, or talent that is so meaningful they believe their application would be incomplete without it. If this sounds like you, then please share your story. And I think that, um, I think a lot of students are intimidated by the phrase, your application would be incomplete without it. But, but I kind of like it because what is kind of interesting here is that they talk about how these things are meaningful to them. It doesn't have to be unique. Like I talk to all all the time to these you know, kids from suburbs, they're like, I have a great life. My parents are still together. I have enough money. Like, I'm, my background isn't interesting. And I'm like, that's most of the kids going to college are like you. But you also do have things in your life that are very meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what yep. you should That's what you should focus on if you want to use this mm-hmm. particular topic. Yep. And that's still Absolutely. relevant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now, one and thing I think I... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go right ahead. Okay. So one of the things that I've rarely seen a student write about, but occasionally I've seen it done well, is reflect on a time when you questioned or challenged a belief or idea. What prompted your thinking and what was the outcome? So I just realized, though, that we only have one minute left. So I I was just going to say that's a really rare topic. So people should definitely take Mm -hmm. that on if they've got something um, related to it. If you don't. Uh, You definitely don't need to. So, all right. Thank you so much, Kara. Thanks for having me, Sally. Always good to talk to you. Okay. And thanks to the rest of my guests today. Uh, Now I want to tell you about our show next week. Beth Heaton, the regular host, will be back. And she and her guests will be discussing real estate in the financial aid process, as well as the value of a liberal arts degree and how it can lead to employment in fields like business. In other words, you don't have to major in business to go into business. I know people don't always realize this. But it's true. And finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website. And you can also download every show for free on iTunes. If you check out the archives, you'll find past shows featuring topics um, within our Kindness Matters series on how to consider service work and issues around transitioning to college. And if you like our show, be sure to rate us on iTunes. It takes only a moment of your time, and it's absolutely free. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. So check us out. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.